one of the fundamental mysteries of the Christian faith is that we are not alone. It is the blessed assurance that we are surrounded by the spirit of a loving God. And furthermore, it is the mystical assurance that we are surrounded by generations of saints, ordinary people, both the living and the dead, people who help shape our personal lives and the institutions that we love. Well, it wasn't always like this. In fact, years ago, the Protestant church came very close to erasing the doctrine of saints forever. And it all began on this exact day, 450 years ago. On All Hallows' Eve, the night before All Saints' Day, a monk by the name of Martin Luther marched up to the chapel door at Wittenberg and posted his 95th Theses. In that thesis, he publicly criticized some of the practices of the Roman Church. The result, as you all know, is the Protestant Reformation, which forever changed the religious landscape of our world. Now, the doctrine of the saints was at the heart of Luther's protest, which is why he posted it on the eve of all saints. Back then, as they do now, the Roman Church canonized saints. They believed saints were so perfect and so righteous that they had accumulated more grace than they needed to get to heaven. And so their excess righteousness was available to the common sinner, of course, for a price. In fact, you could buy some for yourself or your relatives, which would reduce your time in purgatory after death. Well, unfortunately, in their zeal to get rid of indulgences, the early Protestant church went on to neglect any further mention of saints. In other words, they threw the baby out with the bathwater. Thank God it did not end there. Years later, the Protestants went back to their Bibles and they said, hey, wait a minute, saints really do exist. However, contrary to what the Catholics believe, they are far from perfect. Enter the second reading for this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Now, prior to saying that, Paul listed several biblical saints in that great cloud of witness, all of which were far from perfect. People like Saint Noah, who as soon as he stepped on dry ground, had too much to drink and passed out naked in his tent, People like St. Abraham, who lied when he told Pharaoh that, that Sarah was not his wife. People like Sarah herself, who told her husband Abraham to have a baby with the maid, and when the maid suddenly became pregnant, told the maid to get lost. People like St. Jacob, who shamelessly stole his brother's blessing. And people like St. Rahab the prostitute, you may recall how during the siege of Jericho, she hid the Israelite spy on the roof of her brothel. I love this. I love the fact that Paul wanted it documented in Scripture that even people like Rahab can be saints. But that's not all. Some years later, Rahab married a man named Solomon. He can be found in the Gospel of St. Matthew. Solomon was the great-great-grandfather of King David. See where I'm going with this? 26 generations later, out of that same bloodline, Joseph was born Jesus' legal father. So yes, God works in mysterious ways. And add to that list St. Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, all less than perfect disciples who wrote the Gospels. 
And finally, let us not forget St. Paul himself, who before he came to Jesus, spent his time hunting down Christians in the streets and dragging them in to be persecuted. So there we have it, the Bible's great cloud of witnesses, ordinary people who soared and stumbled, who were both saints and sinners. Frederick Buechner put it like this, Saints are not plaster statues, men and women of such paralyzing virtue that they never thought a nasty thought or did an evil thing their whole life long. Rather, saints are essentially life givers. To be with them is to become more alive. Saints are essentially life givers. To be with them is to become more alive. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Paul is metaphorically referring to a Christian race, a lifelong Christian marathon, and so he uses the image of a Greek stadium, a stadium with a balcony that reaches all the way to heaven. The runners enter the stadium. They are surrounded by hundreds of people cheering them on, blessing them as they continue running life's faith journey. So hundreds of years later, the image of the stadium was replaced with a majestic church with large balconies just like this one. The living are in the lower seats down below and the lower choir seats, and those who have passed are in the upper seats in the balcony all the way to heaven. And they're all up there cheering us on. Now, I got to tell you, last month I experienced the excitement and the emotion of that image like never before. A few days before Labor Day weekend, Donna Hall phoned me and said, asked, commanded, I'm not sure yet, but she said, Are you going to run the New Haven 5K? Well, I explained to Donna, I've been running three to five miles a day for the last 20 years, but I have never, ever run a race. To which Donna replied, well, as a new minister of Center Church, this one's a must. (laughs) So what can I say? She's my boss. (laughs) So I did it. I went online and registered my wife and myself. And on Labor Day morning, we took off running with several hundred other people through the neighborhoods of New Haven. And I got to tell you, it was amazing. People were lined up and down the streets cheering us on, blasting music, handing out water. And the best part, the reason why Donna insisted that I run this particular race, when we crossed the finish line, it was right in front of Center Church. And the instant I crossed it, I remembered Paul's words, body, mind, and soul. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the faith race that is set before us. So today we run in here and celebrate our Christian marathon, all of us in this beautiful old church with this majestic balcony, a balcony filled with spirits whose lives and stories helped shape the life of this church for the last 382 years. I love the way our church historian, Michelle Georgievich, put it. When you share and care for our communion vessels or run your hands over our pews, what is holy and transmitted to you are all the stories and the prayers of those who came before us and endured. For myself, this is the something greater I can feel a part of and find strength in even as my faith waxes 
and wings. Sacred space is unique. That's why we're spending all this money fixing this place up. It is a place where architecture, wood and stone, creates a space for us to connect with the spirits of the past. I really believe this. So much so that I will not accept any new pastorate until I have stood in the church and sensed the spirits personally. And I did it here as well. Before my final interview, I emailed the committee and asked if I could see the inside of the church for the first time. Note, I did not say I wanted to sense the spirits. Had I said that, there probably would not have been a final interview. (laughs) Well, to their credit, the committee said yes. So before the interview, Michelle met me here and she gave me the tour, which ended right back up there in the balcony. And that's when I did it. I looked around at all those seats up on that balcony, and I silently asked the spirits, is this the one? At which point I felt a unison, amen. The saints in the past are up on the balcony surrounding us, supporting us, and cheering us forward through our race. I really believe this. So much so, If you happen to drive by here on a Saturday evening and the sanctuary lights are on, that would be me. That would be me in here all by myself preaching to the spirits. I have done it every Saturday night for 25 years. I preach my sermon out loud to the saints, and believe me, by the time I've finished, they have done some pretty heavy editing. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us all run with perseverance the race that is set before us. My preaching instructor, the Reverend John Buchanan, remembered one of his childhood church saints. She was an elderly woman named Mrs. Crawford. And every Sunday, Mrs. Crawford sat in a pew directly in front of him. Mrs. Crawford, Buchanan writes tongue-in-cheek, was responsible for one of the profound insights of my life, a moment of pure revelation. Here's how he describes it. Mrs. Crawford wore a fox wrap in the winter, a fox's head complete with open eyes and teeth visible clamped around its own tail. When we settled in for the sermon, Mrs. Crawford would sling her wrap over her shoulder, and there he was staring at me for the next 20 minutes, a real fox a real fox who loomed large and ferocious in so many children's fairy tales, but now in real life so small and manageable, even by my modest standards. Buchanan concludes with this, Mrs. Crawford, and maybe even her fox, will forever be part of my great cloud of witnesses. Today, our faith race brings us to this place with balconies that reach all the way to heaven, and we are surrounded by our church saints. Today, we give thanks for their legacy of faith and love. However, today we also remember to give thanks for our own personal saints, many of whom were not formally religious. People both the living and the dead who inspired us and loved us and corrected us, who when our life was caving in, were with us and for us. So I thought about it, and I remembered my very first saint. 
I was in the fifth grade. My parents were going through a bitter separation. My father had moved out of the house. We lived in a conservative Christian reformed town in the Midwest. In those days, a failed marriage was flat out a sin. So much so that some of my friends were not allowed to play with me because I came from a broken home. That's social distancing in the worst sense of the words. So in the summer of fifth grade, I was lonely and angry. I was lost and afraid, and my parents were too caught up in their own drama to even notice. And then it happened. One morning, an older man appeared at the door, and he asked me if I wanted to go fishing with him. Well, as it turns out, he was a good friend of my grandfather. He had heard about the separation, and he wanted to help. I will never forget that day. I'll never forget walking next to him along the beach and way out to the end of the pier without saying a word to each other. And I'll never forget how he sat next to me and in his own quiet way he gave me comfort and hope. And he did it several more times that summer. It was that simple and that profound. Not once did he mention my parents' separation Rather, what he did, what he did was surround me. He surrounded me with grace and love, and it was nothing short of life-giving. That is why on this day, I gratefully name him as one of my saints. Today, we all do what we give thanks for that great cloud of witness, those ordinary people. Ordinary people who inspired us and encouraged us throughout our life. People who surrounded us with faith and hope and love. People who believed in us more than we believed in ourselves. The teacher who redlined our paper and made us write it all over again under heavy protest. Or the coach who looked us in the eye and said, just do it because he or she knew that we could. Or the Sunday school teacher who insisted we memorize the 23rd Psalm who made us draw little pictures of each verse. The shepherd with his staff and the puffy little sheep lying down in the green grass and the hills and the valleys of life. And now whenever we attend a memorial service, we can recite that psalm, wrote, and we always think of her. So I invite all of you this morning during the silence of the pastoral prayer to remember your saints who are part of your great cloud of witnesses. And in the quiet peace of this mystical old arena, to bow your heads and offer them a prayer of thanks. But don't stop there. I invite you also to contact the ones that are still living. To pick up the phone, send them an email or a text, even if you have not spoken to them in years. And simply say, thank you. Believe me, you will make their day. And lastly, I invite you to become a saint yourself to others, to be a sustainer and a supporter, a forgiver and a life giver, to surround others with peace and hope and love, even if it is wordless. That's right, ordinary people like you and me can be saints too. But the choice is ours. Poet Lee Sharp put it like this, 
Isn't it strange how princes and kings and clowns that caper in sawdust rings and common people like you and me are builders for eternity? Each is given a list of rules, a shapeless mass of bag of tools, and each must fashion ere life has flown a stumbling block or a stepping stone.